Please turn to hymn 167 and let us stand and sing the first stanza. There was a man whose name was Balaam. And if he had carried a calling card, it probably would have said on it, I am a representative of Rent-A-Prophet. You may hire me to curse your neighbor or to bless your neighbor. It's the perfect, perfect gift for someone who has everything. Balaam was called upon to curse the children of Israel. They were a significant nation, and they were a threat to those tribes and kingdoms that were living in and around what they referred to as their promised land. Now, if you don't know the whole story, you should take the time to read it in chapters 24, 23 and 24 of the book of Numbers. Because this is a, a great, great story in scripture, one that I remember as a child from Sunday school, because it has a talking animal in it. In any case, even though he had been paid to, in the promise of payment for cursing the children of Israel, when it came down to it, he could not do it. Because he was in communication with Almighty God, and... Uh, Instead of cursing them, he gives them a great blessing, which has bearing on the hymn that we're singing. So here's what he says. I see him, with a capital H, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies, shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. That prophecy was referred to 
by the Lord Jesus when he is visiting with St. John the Evangelist and Seer in the book of Revelation, the very, very last chapter of our Bible, where he reminds John and the church these words fulfilling what Balaam had said. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So in the hymn, in the first phrase where we sing about that lovely morning star, we're not actually talking about an astronomical thing. We're not talking about a star, we're talking about a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus. The phrase morning star, of course, carries with it various, various levels of weight. One of which, I think for us, is the easiest to grasp. Is that in the morning when the sky is clear and the dawn has already started to arrive, the sky is purple, blue, pink. There's one, one bright, bright thing in the sky. And that bright thing in the sky is pointing to the beginning of a new day, a new time. Of course, we realize it's not actually a star, right? It's a planet. It's Venus that we see shining so brilliantly. But that appearance in the morning was always, and especially for cultures that were so very, very much in tune with, with the movement of the stars and the moon, that was a daily reminder of a new beginning. And when Christ uses that in reference to himself, of course, he's referring to this uh, prophecy in, in the book of Numbers, but he's also pointing to the fact that that his kingdom is a new day, a new day of grace. Now, as we sang that first verse, we, we, we transitioned very quickly from the imagery of Christ, the morning star, to an image of him as, what? Our bridegroom. Now, th that is something that comes to us from the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, a very dear book that has so many intersections with the book of Revelation as well. But here, in the second chapter of the Song of Solomon, uh, which is echoed throughout the stanzas of this hymn, uh, the beloved, the bride, says, Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. It's a very, very beautiful passage from the scriptures there. And for the poet, Philip Nikolai, the union that the believer has with Christ by faith is, is the dearest thing. The physical union that we have with Christ in Holy Communion reinforces that. And he's going to talk about that now in the second stanza as we sing it.
hear the word Hosanna, we think, of course, of Palm Sunday and Christ's entrance into Jerusalem. We also remember the first Sunday in Advent, where we revisit that gospel lesson. But there's one spot in the liturgy, in the service of the church, where we sing that text frequently. Is it ringing a bell with anyone? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's in that hymn that we call the Sanctus, which is a Latin, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of your glory. And that, of course, is always sung in relationship to, very near to, the reception of the sacrament of Christ's body and blood. So when Nikolai quotes that in the hymn here, He's reminding himself as a poet. That's why he wrote it. He wrote it mostly for himself. But then when it was published, he was also reminding the other people, drawing their attention as inly spiritual as this hymn is. He constantly reminds us to look outside of ourselves. Now, in the next verse, uh, he, he quotes a, a thought that comes from, from Augustine. My soul is not at rest until is it at rest in thee. So now we sing the third stanza.
Now, Nikolai was a prolific writer. Uh, he was a pastor, and so he was expected to produce sermons that would be preached every week. Uh, he was also a poet and an author of lots and lots of devotional literature. Uh, and he, his, his pastorate was marked by crazy realities of life under the cross, which he re refers to in that stanza that we just sang, I joy in tribulation. And there, of course, again, I've said this so many times, that the hymn writers from this era were so very close to death because of the fact that the, the medicines and things that we have today that can ward things off, they just didn't have. There was one week when he had 170 people to bury because they had died of... Uh, it wasn't war. It was just somebody had a cold and the whole town was gone. Uh, and, and again, he took such great refuge in God's word and I think also in the, in the emotional release of writing poetry. We have two hymns of his, and he wrote, he wrote others, but he, had, he did two that he just totally knocked the ball out of the park. And one of them is this particular hymn, how Lovely Shines the Morning Star. We call it the Queen of Chorales. And the other one, which is very, very similar in spirit and in, in topic, Wake, Awake, for Night is Flying. And both of them, by the way, if you're ever going to get married, are really appropriate wedding hymns. Uh, in fact, in some corners of Lutheranism, especially How Lovely Shines the Morning Star is considered to be the wedding hymn for lots of good reasons. Uh, Stanza six is a grand celebration of sound. Let all glad sounds of music ring in God's high praises. Blended, love that one, it's job security. <laughs> Let's conclude then by singing stanza seven, which also takes us right back to the book of Revelation. 